Amen. Well, it is wonderful to be with you, and I'm going to continue this morning speaking on what the Lord has put on my heart, which I began a couple of weeks ago. We have been called to go out. Now, that's nothing new for us as believers. Ever since the day Jesus said, go into all the world, he gathered his disciples around him and said, go into all the world, preach the good news to all creation. Ever since then, anyone who is a believer, anyone who has received Jesus into the heart has a commission to go out into the world and tell them the good news of what Jesus has done. That's us. So that's nothing new, but there is a freshness to ourselves as a body, and all that God has been preparing us for. He has been ministering to us on faith all this year, and his heart for that is we are to be a people that live by faith so that we can go out by faith and tell people all about Jesus. Amen? We, church, are called to go out. And I've been ministering all this year on one scripture in particular that has become very much a hook. And I'd like us to turn to that scripture again. It's this one in Romans chapter 15. It's verse 13. Have a look at that again. Don't take my word for it. It's all there in black and white. See, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We have to be a people of the word. Amen? And it simply says this. This is from the English Standard Version. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll read that again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the life you and I are called to lead. This is the life you and I were born in Christ to lead. We are to be a people that trust in him. That is a people that live by faith. That we may be filled and then overflow by the power of the Spirit. Jesus demonstrated this life everywhere he went. He trusted in his Father. He drew aside. He spent time with his Father in prayer, waiting on him. He was filled. We know the Holy Spirit came and rested on him and did not depart. And his whole life was given to overflowing with the power of God. Even so, that wonderful true story of Jesus just going about his business when suddenly a lady of great faith reaches out and just touches the hem of his garment and he knew in that moment that power went out for him. He he literally overflowed. And you and I are called to lead that life. We've been called to go. We are the church. The Greek word for church is ecclesia. We are the called out ones. And we've been sent out as well. And that's what the Lord wants to do uh, through us. We're to go friend by friend, colleague by colleague, neighbor by neighbor, family member by family member, from house to house, street to street. We have been called out, sent to go out with the good news of Jesus Christ. And that excites me because the gospel, whilst in the eyes of this world is foolish, is the most powerful thing on this earth. It's so powerful. And I likened it to a stone. Imagine the gospel. If you weren't here a couple of weeks ago, the gospel is like a lovely smooth stone. Just there, there it is. But when you throw it into a beautiful, still, calming pool, there's an effect. We know that. Everyone loves to throw stones in water. It's just something just deeply engrafted into us. You throw a stone into the water and it has this wonderful effect of the ripples just go out. You've seen this, right? 
This is Science 101. You've seen this. You throw a big rock in a big pool of water. It has an effect. And the ripples go out. That's the power of the gospel that he wants us to come alive to again. That we sometimes put ourselves down. Who am I? What have I got to give? I'm just someone, I just give a kind word. I just do a kind deed every now and then. God wants you and I to know that the power and the effect of the gospel being worked out through our lives goes far beyond ourselves. As you speak a kind word, as you tell someone about Jesus, the effects go out. Just before this meeting started, I was talking with my brother Don. He was just telling me about uh, his week. I said, how's it going in Caldecott? He said, oh, it's been fantastic. Had a wonderful opportunity just talking with people. And before I knew it, I had a crowd gathered around me. And I told this man, you know your problem. You need to get your right life right with God and go back to church. And he said, you know what? I will. And now the suddenly, suddenly one conversation, one intention, one instance of being faithful to a prompting of the Holy Spirit, a stone goes into the water in that place, and it wasn't just Don and that gentleman, but people gathered around. The ripple effect goes out. And that's what the Lord wants to do. And yet he's not finished with that, because that's the gospel. But the Holy Spirit wants to send this gospel out. And the gospel loves to do this, and I love to do this as well, is to find that lovely smooth stone and then find the perfect angle and you skim it onto the water. And it begins to bounce and it begins to go much further and you watch that stone go and you feel amazing. You feel like a superhero because you have defied the laws of gravity with a rock on water. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do with you and I in the gospel. Because it's not just about me being here, but wherever we go, the gospel is going out, church. The gospel is going out and out and out and out. And it's not just about one person to another, it's wherever I go. When I go to the shops, the gospel goes with me and the ripple effects go out. I'm just being Jesus wherever I go. And it's powerful and it's effective. The Holy Spirit wants through us to take this power of the gospel and spread it wide. Church, it's time to go out with new eyes and fresh hope in our heart for a world that is hungry and desperate for some good news. And the church, here we are in a wonderful building, it has to be said, custodians of the best news that ever came to this world. We can no longer keep this to ourselves, and have wonderful times here. That's fantastic. But the whole purpose in my mind of what it is to come together as the saints of God to worship him is to then simply go and overflow into all the world. That is what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And we have a great precedent for that. Have your Bible with you? We're going to have a look this morning at one of my favorite books. It's been one of the books that I've just been reading all year. It's the book of Acts. Anyone ever read the book of Acts? The, the title is a bit of a, a clue. It's a book of action. These are books of people doing. It's all about thing, uh, things that people did, but not just by their own strength. You read this, and we're just going to, and if it's okay with you, I'd like to take just a whistle-stop tour of the first 10 chapters of the book of Acts this morning. That sounds ridiculous. That sounds impossible. But with the help of PowerPoint behind me and speaking really quickly, you'll all get home for dinner. This is an amazing... You know, this, this book, this Bible, the word describes itself as being living and active. You know, this is alive. You know, it has the power to speak today. 
has the power to speak to anyone who will open it and open their heart to it and open their ears to receive everything that the Holy Spirit wants to say through it. We have to read the Bible. It's, 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 it's bread, it's breath, it's everything. If you're not reading your Bible, I just want to encourage you with no sense of condemnation. You've messed up, rule it off. From today, read the word again. And if you don't know where to start, maybe just leave in this place. You know what? I think I'm going to read the book of Acts for myself. It's a really, really wonderful book. And as we read some scriptures, and I'm going to put some scriptures on the screen behind me. I'd like us to also consider this question about the people involved. Who are these people? What made them so special? How did they do what they did? So that's what we're going to look at. Is that okay? Okay. So we're going to start in Acts chapter 1. And we're not going to read every verse. Don't panic. I'm just going to uh, pull out a few highlights. But the book of Acts starts with a promise. See, this is written by uh, Luke, who also wrote the book of Luke. Couldn't come up with a, a better name for his first volume. So he called that the Gospel of Luke. And then his second uh, volume, if you will, is the book of Acts, or the Acts of the Apostles. So it follows on really well from his first volume, the Gospel of Luke. And in there, Jesus has basically said, now whatever you do in Acts chapter 1, don't leave the city. I'm sending you my Holy Spirit. Don't leave the city until you've received it. And he says this, and when the Holy Spirit does come on you, here's what will happen. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It starts with a promise. When this happens, you will receive that's what's about to happen. Now, we're going to do a quick comprehension exercise right now. Uh, youth, you're getting used to getting back to school. In our house, we divvy up the homework between Zoe and myself. If it's science or basically numbers or clever stuff related, Zoe takes that. <laughs> if it's pretty much basic level comprehension, dad comes into play. Okay, so we're just going to do a quick comprehension exercise that you read a passage and then I'm going to ask you some questions. So we've just read this scripture together. When will you receive power? When the Holy Spirit comes on to you. And what is the, you will be my? And where will you be my witnesses? Where does it start? It starts in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Power, you'll see power when my spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses. It'll start here in Jerusalem, but it's not just going to stay here. It's going to go out throughout the region of Judea and Samaria, and it's going to go, disciples, to the ends of the earth. Don't leave the city, because my spirit's coming upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Now, just remember that. Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Have you got that? That's important. We're going to come back to that later because it starts with a promise and God keeps his word. Okay? Now we go into Acts chapter 2 and we know the story of Acts chapter 2. We often know this is the passage that it's the day of Pentecost, the visitation of the Holy Spirit. But straight on the back of Jesus saying, don't leave the city, it says, now there was at that time, staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. You know, the word of God is immediately effective. The moment that uh, God has said, when my spirit comes, you'll be witnesses to the ends of the earth, he had already orchestrated the wonderful times and seasons that drew the ends of the earth to himself and what he was doing. 
It's no surprise we've had opportunity already to hear about people coming from different nations who have found a home in this country. The word of God is immediately effective. You know, it's possible in 2018 to reach the ends of the earth without even leaving the city of Cardiff. Students who are arriving into the city from all different nations, we can reach them with the gospel of the kingdom. They come and they study and they go back and the whole earth gets to know about the good news of Jesus Christ. The word of God is immediately effective and the Holy Spirit comes and the first thing he does is he, uh, he fills them with his Holy Spirit and he breaks them out of a building. There's a word for us. He straight away, the Holy Spirit, he breaks them out of a building into all these people, God-fearing Jews from every nation under Christ. He gets them in front of people talking. Not just to one another. He gets them engaging with people who say, what's going on? Peter stands up. He gives the most amazing uh, history lesson and gospel message combined in one. And it has this result. They, they say to him, now what must we do to be saved? And that's how the church begins to grow. And 3,000, they go from 120 meeting in a room to 3,000 being added in one day. Because the word of God in Jerusalem is immediately effective. Amen? Amen. Head over to Acts chapter 3. Because now stuff is really beginning to kick off. There's a great buzz in the city of Jerusalem. Things are happening. And one day, says Peter, he's going up to uh, the prayer. It was the time of prayer. And there's a man begging. In his usual place, he's always there. And uh, Peter stops, and he doesn't have any money, but he simply says this to him. He says, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. Something has happened to the believers. They've been filled with the Holy Spirit and they're beginning to move and understand the authority of which they've been given. That it's not about them and what they have in their pockets and their means. We can help them, we can meet needs. Of course we can. But what I, I do have in the name of Jesus, I give to you. Get up and walk. There's a fresh authority for the church to go out, not just in our own strength, but in the strength and authority of the name of Jesus Christ that he has given us. You know, when you leave this place, you don't leave just as you. You go out in the authority of Jesus Christ. When we pray for people, we can pray for them, not in the name of Dave. What's that going to do? Nothing but in the name of Jesus. There is nothing he can't do. And things, now there's a buzz in the city. 3,000 have been added. Now signs and wonders are going to be, start to, to break out. This man then runs into the temple and everyone knows him as the guy who couldn't walk, suddenly walking. What's going on? There's a buzz. We go into Acts chapter 4 and now it says that uh, on asking what has happened, Peter begins to tell the story. This is what's been going on. On hearing that message, it simply said this, many who heard the message believed, so that the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. We've gone now from 120 to 3,000, now we're about 5,000, but we're just counting men. Now things are really beginning to buzz. We're getting to chapter 5, and more than ever, it says here in verse 14, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Just dial this back because the book of Acts moves so quickly. This started with people responding to a word of God and being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
This starts with people knowing what it is to trust in him. And as they trust him, God fills them. And as they go out full, their lives simply overflow. This is the life that you and I are called to lead. Things are happening, but who are these people? Things are beginning to happen. So much so that in verse 15, we read this, that people were just laying people in the street to be healed, and if only the shadow of one of the apostles would, uh, would touch them, that they would, uh, they would see what the Lord would do for them. Just the shadow. You go forward in chapter 5, just a few more verses to verse 28. Again, they've been called before the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the people who really are not happy about this, the people who own religion. The people who don't want any change. The people who've got it their way. And they make all sorts of accusations. They're trying to get to the end. And when it comes to this, they say, Now, didn't we tell you in Acts chapter 4 that you weren't to do this anymore? Now, the answer to that question in Acts chapter 4 was, Look, we only can obey God. So we're going to keep telling people. So here they are, back before them again. Look, we strictly charge you not to teach in this name Yet here, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. You have filled Jerusalem. Comprehension exercise. What was the promise of God? Filled with the Spirit, you'll be my witnesses where? Jerusalem. Jerusalem is now full. Because the word of God is immediately effective. When people respond in faith, trusting him are full, and their lives overflow, he is faithful to his word. We told you not to do this, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. Back to our comprehension exercise. Where was next? Judea, Judea and Samaria. I told you this comprehension, this will come in handy. Jerusalem has been filled with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the ripple effects of the gospel, we already know because Jesus told us we're going to go far beyond the city in which they were in. Now, in Acts chapter 6, uh, we come on to some, uh, if I say, some more internal workings of what's going on uh, so that the men of God can still be doing what they're supposed to be doing. There's lots of things then. We get into Acts chapter 7 and we have the account of Stephen, who is an amazing man of God, a man full of Holy Spirit and faith, and he's arrested. And in his defense, he begins to give the most wonderful, again, history lesson of the purposes of God. If you ever want to know the story of God from the beginning to this point, read Acts chapter 7. It's incredible. You'll just see how God's plan unfolds and outworks into every area. But they're not happy with what he says, and so they stone him to death. They kill him, and Stephen is the first man who lays down his life for Jesus as a martyr. He's the first one. And you think, well, trouble's coming now. Perhaps the promise of God is not going to work out. But then straight away we go into Acts chapter 8, and it says this. On that day, the day that Stephen is martyred, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered where? Throughout Judea and Samaria. You know, the enemy will try and crush you and squash you. He will try and dash your hopes. Just when you think you're making progress with a friend or a colleague, when you're reaching out with the gospel, when you're trying to make breakthroughs, you know what? Just sometimes when you're just on the point of breakthrough, that's when the enemy will try and come at its hardest just to discourage you. And maybe it will manifest as persecution. Many will manifest as insult or blame or whatever. I want to encourage you, keep pushing through. Keep pushing through because when you're on the cusp of a breakthrough, 
the enemy panics and he thinks he's doing the right thing. But God is able in his sovereign power and grace and all knowledge to take that very situation and make it the means of what he's going to do in all the earth. The greatest example that we have of that in our Bible is the cross of Jesus Christ. Where the enemy panicked, the enemy froze and thought, we have to kill this man. But we need to make a spectacle of him so no one does anything like this again. Let's brutally torture him and make him hang on the cross. The most graphically horrible death anyone could do. And little did the enemy know that God said, that's right. That's my means of salvation to the ends of the earth. And on a day of persecution, the enemy was probably thinking, hey, I did pretty good there. But that's the day that the promise, the ripples of the gospel of Jesus Christ break out even further. And the disciples, full of the gospel, full of a life of faith, they overflow out of the city and they go throughout all the region of Judea and Samaria, just as Jesus promised. It's time to go out. Verse 27, Philip Uh, meets an Ethiopian man who's on his way home to Ethiopia. Suddenly now the gospel's getting global. Suddenly now things are getting bigger. There are divine appointments, people reaching nations without actually going to the nations. Why? Because the word of God is effective and will be fulfilled. You get to verse 40, still with Philip, after he leaves the Ethiopian, he says, and he traveled about preaching the gospel in every town Until he reaches Caesarea. Wherever he goes, his life is this. I trust God. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. And wherever he goes, he just overflows with the gospel. In every town, he preaches the gospel. And he reaches the town of Caesarea. Caesarea is a port town. It's a shipping place. Now suddenly the gospel has means to go over oceans. See how God does it. It's the ripple effects. Because the gospel isn't static, church. Our lives aren't static. You may think you're in a locality, but really you're global. You may think you're only reaching just beyond your front door, but your words and your kindness, the gospel of Jesus Christ reaches out far more than you could possibly imagine. So don't stop. Don't stop. Jerusalem is full. So the gospel has to overflow because the word of God will be fulfilled. And it goes into Judea and Sumeria. And Philip's there as our example, preaching in every town until the gospel has even fulfilled that aspect. Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the... So now we've got to make some leaps. But the word of God will be fulfilled. Because if God said it, then he won't let that word return back to him void. He fulfills every word. He watches over his word. But now the gospel has to branch out. And in Acts chapter 9, we meet a man called Saul. We've already been introduced to him when Stephen is being martyred. As they're throwing their rocks, they lay their coats at the feet of a man called Saul of Tarsus. He's the one given approval. This is the man who knows the law inside and out. This is the man who describes himself as the Hebrew of Hebrews. This is the man taught by the best to be the best. And he doesn't like what he's seeing. And God says, I'll use him. God says, he's the one. He calls another man, Ananias. I need you to go to a house because I've struck Saul with blindness and he's waiting. I need you to go and lay hands on him because, as he says in verse 15, this man, Saul, is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. 
You see Saul, who later has his name changed to Paul. He's an ends of the earth type of guy. You know what? He's a guy like you and me. He's an ends of the earth guy. And suddenly now God, through one man, finds a means not just to take the gospel to Jewish people, but to the Gentile people and their kings and their nations. We go into Acts chapter 10. Oh, this is Paul's. This is how far he goes. He starts over here, just on the right-hand side in, in, in Israel, in Jerusalem. But then his, his own journeys just take him far and wide. The gospel will reach the ends of the earth. That's what happens. In Acts chapter 10, Peter, the apostle Peter, he's having a wonderful time. He's like you and I. He goes to have a wonderful time of prayer. Within five minutes, he's already hungry and distracted by food. And God gives him a vision. He says, uh, and now some people are coming to your house. You're to go with them. And so Peter goes with them. And God begins to pour out his spirit on non-Jewish people. And Peter, in a moment of revelation, simply says this, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. doesn't matter who you are today. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter if you speak English or another language. It doesn't matter what your cultural background. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, he will accept you as his own. And you will be born again and swept into not a kingdom of ethnicity or a kingdom of culture or a kingdom of gender or age, but the kingdom of God which is the most forceful kingdom that there ever will be. And it's advancing on this earth, even right now as we speak. The kingdom of God is taking ground. And Peter realizes, gosh, I've been so uh, focused on just one part of the world, on one group of people. I now see God has no favoritism, and the gospel breaks open to Gentiles. Let me put that another way. The gospel broke open for you and me. And now we think again of what Jesus said. Don't leave the city. My Holy Spirit is going to come on you. He's going to fill you. And you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem. Tick. Throughout all Judea and Samaria. Tick. And to the ends of the earth. And here we are. The gospel has power to go out. Like a stone thrown in water. The ripples will go and go and go and go and go. And now here we are. And yet the work of the gospel is not finished. Because now we can go into all the world. That's where it starts. And that fills the world. Because why? Because God gave a word that he would go to the ends of the earth. We have been called to go out. Jesus promised it. The disciples trusted him. The disciples allowed the Holy Spirit, to fill them. Not just the ones you read the book of Acts. You see, they move in boldness. Their boldness is noted. And the next thing they do is have a prayer meeting and they ask God for boldness. This is, Lord, help. Lord, help. Lord, help. I will. I will. I will. I will. Because he wants this full to overflowing. They trusted him. Lived their lives full of the Holy Spirit and overflowed to the world. They're just like you and me. These are men and women just like you and me. Now may the God of all hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.
that men and women just like you and me. How do we know that? Because they, 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 they sound really, really impressive. These men and women sound really impressive. Just look at verse 4, will you? Uh, chapter 4 of the book of Acts. Let's just look at this one together. Acts chapter 4. Verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. Ah, boldness. See, there's your problem. They were bold. I don't feel very bold. God will give you boldness. He'll give you all. Boldness is not a strong personality or a confident persona. That, boldness is of God. You ask for boldness, he'll give you boldness. It's not walking into a room and feeling confident that you can go up to just anybody and talk about anything. No, boldness can come to the most quietest person who in a moment of conviction when the Holy Spirit says, go and speak to that person, and they do, that's boldness. It's not about an elaborate extrovert personality. It's about hearing what God is saying and being obedient. That's boldness. So don't anybody here write themselves, I'm not very confident when I walk into a room. You are looking at a person who is not very confident when they walk into rooms. But that's not boldness. But when God says move and I move, that's boldness. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common, ordinary men, they were astonished. Now I feel a little bit better about myself suddenly. Because I'm common and ordinary. Anybody here common and ordinary? In the eyes of the world, that's us all, by the way. It's not how we are in God's eyes. But in the eyes of the world, in the eyes of those who would judge, common and ordinary is about as good as it gets. But they saw that's what they were. Who are these guys? They're common. They are ordinary. Most of these guys are uneducated. Who are these people who are turning the city upside down? But it goes on. But they recognized that they had been with Jesus. They recognized they had been with Jesus and everything changes. Uneducated, ordinary, unschooled, absolutely. But they recognized they had been with Jesus. See, we have to work out that for all the wonderful story of Acts and the power of the Holy Spirit, it sounds amazing, but it was no sovereign move of God alone. He needed and chose to do it through people like you and me. Ordinary people, uneducated people, unschooled people, eyes, uh, uh, people who in the eyes of the world were nothing and could be treated as nothing. And yet this stood out for them. They realized, they noted, they took note, they had been with Jesus. Church, let me ask you a question directly. Have you been with Jesus? Have you been with Jesus, not just on a Sunday? Have we been with Jesus, not just in a life group on a Thursday night or a youth group on a Friday night, but have we been with Jesus? Because when we have, when we are, the world takes note. It says, who are these people? You see, the, the preacher, the great preacher, E.M. Bounds, simply said this, while the world or the church may look for a better method, God looks for a better man. He looks for a person. He looks for a person after his own heart, like a King David. He looks after someone who will lay things aside, who, like Paul, lays everything aside, that even though he had everything, he considers it nothing compared to the surpassing worth of knowing him. Men and women like you and me, ordinary, short, uneducated, yes, but it was noted they had been 
with Jesus. We've been called out, but I'm ordinary. I'm uneducated. I'm unschooled. But have you been with Jesus? Then you're qualified. You're qualified. And the world, one of my favorite scriptures to build myself up. The world will look at you and think you're nothing. Will look at you're foolish to believe what you believe. And I love the scripture that talks about this. said, God takes the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. In my own strength, there's not a lot I can do. But as I trust in him, live by faith. As I spend time with him and be filled constantly with the Holy Spirit, my life will overflow. And the world will take note that what? I have been with Jesus. Church, we need to go out. And out with a new energy and a new vigor and a new tenacity because the world is crying out for an answer and we have it. And his name is Jesus Christ. We're called to go out. We're called to go. And I'm excited for the future. I'm excited for what's going to come. But as I was encouraged even this week, I can't even look to tomorrow. All I have is today. Right now I have breath in my body. Today is all I have. We sang this song this morning. This is the day you've made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Not waiting for tomorrow. Not looking back on a wonderful yesterday. But I have today to go out into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Let the world note one thing about you as you go out. Not that you're clever Not that you may have some money in your pocket. Not that you may have a a, a nice car or a nice house. Those things, they wither, they fall away, they do not matter. Let the world know this about you as you go out. They've been with Jesus. They've been with Jesus. Have you been with Jesus? We know we should be. Yes, I've been with Jesus today. Will you be with Jesus this afternoon? Will you be with Jesus tomorrow? I'm not putting any how-tos or practicalities on that because I can say you need to read your Bible. I can say we should be people of prayer. We should be a people that speak in tongues. We should be people of worship and praise. But I know this. I can only speak for my life. My time with Jesus, first of all, begins with a decision in my heart. And I can flog myself to read my five chapters a day. But if that's all it is, it does me no good. But when I come to him first, having made a decision in my heart, Lord Jesus, this time is for you. I'm here to spend time with you. That the world may see that I've been with Jesus. Then suddenly the words leap off the page. Suddenly my spirit is alive to his spirit. Suddenly a song rises in my heart and I can't help but just sing it out with all the ability I have. Have you been with Jesus? The Lord Jesus himself is sending us out to go into all the world to preach the good news. If you're in schools right now, that's where you're going. Let the schools know you've been with Jesus. If you're here for university to study at college and further education, whatever that looks like, 
let them know this. You're ordinary, they may think. You've come for an education, but there's something different about you. You've been with Jesus, but it's time to go out. And it's time to go out with the gospel of Jesus Christ, that the gospel would hit where you are and the power and ripples of the gospel would spread far and wide. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is my prayer for you. It is the word to this church that it's time to go out. Heavenly Father, I pray this right now that you would quicken us, Lord Jesus, to act upon the word in which you've brought to us today. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your promise to start in a place, to fill people, men and women, to go to the ends of the earth. Thank you, Lord God, that we are the very beneficiaries of that. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for our salvation. Now, Lord Jesus, you have called us to go out. Let the world see in each and every one of us that we have been with Jesus. Let by our words, let by our deeds, let by our doing, let Lord Jesus the gospel go far out and wide and may the ripple effect, the power of your gospel touch many lives. Lord Jesus, we want to see people saved and added to your church. We want to see this city saved for Jesus Christ. Lord God, you have given us a word that it was to this city, to this nation, and to the ends of the earth. Well, Lord Jesus, who will go? Here we are, Heavenly Father. And let this word cut to the heart, challenge, provoke, stir each and every one of us in a fresh way to put you first, Lord Jesus, to put you first, to have your way in our lives that the world will see there's something different about them. They've been with Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord God, that as we go out, we don't go out in our own strength, but we go out by the power of the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we commit this time to you. We thank you for a wonderful time in your presence. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that the days ahead of us are great, but today is the best day to be alive. Heavenly Father, we look forward to great testimonies of all that you are doing and will continue to do. To your name, to you be all the glory. We pray and ask you right now. Amen. Then church, go and be blessed. Greet someone, encourage someone before you go and tell them you are called to go out. Amen. We'll see you next week.